You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, WA. This is the World Football Programme. My name is Sean Kelly and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Thanks to the Celtic Ramblings crew who've been in before me. Uh, always do a wonderful job. Great to see some new young people on the radio and uh, doing a terrific job. In two hours at the other end of the spectrum, we have Lenny and the Jazz Show. Lenny's probably one of our older presenters, but... Um, He's still here and he's still putting up some good music. So uh, if you like your jazz, get in there at 12 o'clock for Lenny. Joining me in the studio this morning is Jim Webb. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Sean. How you doing? Good, mate. Uh, lots of football this weekend and on our show, lots of football. We're going to have a, a bit of banter about the, uh, the world of football um, in a few minutes. But uh, joining us on the show will be Alex Ipicus of the Perth Glory Women. Um, off to a great start this season and we'll talk to him about how that's happened. Um, Steve McGarry of Sorrento. It's nice to see um, Steve still at Sorrento, given where they are this season. And um, they made some some interesting signings over the last few weeks. Mm, so could be interesting. Be interesting what he's got to say for himself. Absolutely will be. Now Steve's always a good chat. And then we're going to follow it up with Paul Thorogood, who is one of the guys from the. Uh, Association of Walking Football, uh, yeah, Australian Walking Football Association. Oh, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, it's on your shirt. Well, it's on my shirt, <laughs> but I'm not going to. I can't read my shirt because it's on me. Um, anyway, look, Paul's a great guy. Walking football, great sport, and uh, one of those emerging sports. And we're, we're going out into international fields and breaking new boundaries. So it's nice to be on the ground floor of something that's developing. It's nice to be able to be play at uh, air age, something that we can still play at. Well, you know, I gave it away at, si- at uh, 50 because I thought, yeah, I've just got too old. And now at 60, I'm still playing. So, you know, yeah. and, I, and guys in our club are in their 70s still mm. playing. So, And I think one 
down at Fox Fives on a Saturday who's in his 80s. I so know. I'm just a mere babe at 53. Oh, mate, you're just still in nappies. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, look, the big news this week has been the, the Tillies. The Tillies are in Perth, and, you know, we've, we've all got Tilly fever. Even the West Australians have been putting on stuff for the, the Matildas. And, of course, Channel 7 have managed to tie it into Egg Ball. So, you know, if everyone's got some interest, they've got some interest. Um but the last night, Festival of Football, met you there yesterday afternoon with lots of the people that um, we're meeting or talking to on the show today as well. I know Alex was there with uh, the Perth Glory women, um, but lots of the who's who's of football. Penny was there and uh, Paul Lothorpe and a few other people. Mm. So, yeah, it was, good, uh, it was a good day out. And we, we no longer have to call it the... Uh was it the West Australian State Football the State, Centre? State no State longer it's the quickest rename, I think, from a new building. Um, Absolutely, yes. Which, uh, I think that took everyone by surprise. Well, I, took, I didn't know anything. It about took that. me by surprise because when I went into the State Football Festival, I got this nice blue armband, which ten minutes later was out of date. Out of date yeah, <laughs> I put mine on eBay with any luck, you know. <laughs> uh, you never know; might might be worth something in a while. Maybe not. I think we should let everyone know what it's actually called now, in case there is. It is now called the Sam Kerr Football Centre. It was with Sam Kerr there yesterday doing the, uh, the official, well, I suppose in the old days it would have been cutting a ribbon, wouldn't it? But yeah. they, those days don't seem to happen anymore. No, they it's... don't, no. <laughs> um, and I don't know how much of a, uh, a surprise it was to her. She seemed fairly and genuinely surprised at the time. I don't know how long it's been in the planning. It kind of had the um, Roger Cook's just thought of it vibe, I thought. <laughs> in a way, yeah, but, uh, you know, she's... She did her speech and, and, you know, she said that she was a proud West Australian and she was she was quite chuffed, I think, that, that you know... Look, the, the one thing about Sam is, uh, and I think it's a, her superpower, if you like, is that she is one of the best footballers in the world and yet she's still very much a humble mm. uh, and got the, the touch of the common man about her and she was genuinely stoked to get that named after her. Um, and, you know, very humble about that. And I know that the lady there was talking about having Leighton Beach named after Sam and a whole range of things. And you could see Sam just going, no, please. Um, and I, look, personally, I think you're a similar opinion. I'm not so keen on naming something after someone who's still playing. Yeah. Um, but again, she's not playing in Australia. She is probably the best footballing product we've ever put out there. So. Yeah, we, we had this discussion yesterday yeah. about should should stands grounds be named after people that are still playing. We we had the agreement that we prefer it if they'd retired and then get the stand or yeah. the ground. But look, I'm not going to complain about it. As but you when say. but when you look at some of the pioneering women that have been around, you know, uh, Sandra Bretnell um, would be you know a great name for it. Um, you know, there, there's there's lots of other women that have. Done. There are, but I yeah. think it's because it's the now, isn't it? It's the now. Oh, we're in that, we're in that now, now yeah. generation, aren't we? So we are in the in the here and now generation. Sam Kerr. Yeah. Everyone knows Sam Kerr. So Sam Kerr. Oh, it's the football centre. Let's go to the football centre to yeah. watch the football whenever there's football ever being played there. Yeah, and look, I suppose when you look at it, this day and age, Matildas are the. Well, the side. talking point at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, so. and, and very fitting that it's been named after a woman as yeah. well. And I think that's great. Um, there was also, and we'll talk about this later in the show. An announcement of nine point three million dollars worth of spending. Mm. Um, some of which, well, most of which, will go to the state football centre. Yep, don't have a problem again, with that. I don't mind. It's a, it's the focal point, and it needs to be made that focal point. And um, my first time at the facility yesterday, I thought um, you could see where it was going to end up, and if we accelerate that any, then that's a good thing. Great wide paths coming in. 
parking's an issue, and I think that's probably where yeah. um, some of the money needs to go because it's it's not the easiest of grounds to get to. If it had a public transport link close by, then yeah, um, you know, it's not a bad centre. Very well. It was nice. Yeah. It was nice. I certainly think possibly could have been. I, I wouldn't have designed it that way myself. Mm. I would have designed it with all four sides as an undercover little boutique stadium. But money talks these days, doesn't it? Oh, look at nothing when you look at it. It's quite interesting because I, I read something this morning and it said the uh, 49.6 million facility um, in the third dot point. And then by the time we got to the second paragraph, it had gone up to 56 mm. million. So even in, in the same diet called it. That's inflation for you. That's <laughs> yeah, inflation for you, mate. Yeah. Yeah, but I can't complain. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a very nice, if you've not been there, yeah, make try and make the effort when there's the games on over the next season or two. It's it's a nice facility, and one thing I did notice was plenty of toilets, plenty of facilities for people to use, which is always a well. It is era. getting used a fair bit, and and we'll talk about that when we go along the show because I know that the walking footballers are planning to use it very shortly. <clears throat> we've had Country Week, we've had um, lots of other things happening there, so I think. Um, Long term, yeah, that's going to be the focal point for all our football. We've held all the finals there and look, personally, and I've, I've always had this opinion that every single club is a home of football in its own right. And I, I don't like the idea of losing the, the finals and other things to the clubs. But if that makes that the focal point, then, you know, I can get over myself. Uh, yeah, but I'm also of the opinion that it's nice to play finals at a neutral venue. Yeah, you know, rather than the same three grounds that's that's been happening. Well, no, in the neutral past. venues. I mean, if if you've got Sorrento playing Fremantle in the the final of a cup and they're playing it at Perth or Inglewood, then it's still yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And that was that you you put up a a bid to be the the, the team host. That, yeah. yeah, the host, and and that was fine. I didn't have a problem with that, but I I do see now that we we probably are outgrowing that, and I think when we we look at the the way football's going professionalisation is, is a big thing for me and I think it's it's great that we're doing this. Yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. Well done all. Yeah, I look I thought it was brilliant and I, I thought it was great that we um we were there and, and the the Tillies were there and the the questions the kids asked were great, you know, um I missed that. Was there any uh, any like curveballs or No, there's no real curveballs. <laughs> so they were just good 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 little wholesome kids up there asking great questions nice. and the you know Matilda's answers were, were great. They were all of them very it's engaging. Like I saw, yeah, engagement. It was a yeah. great engagement. I mean, uh, anyone listening, um, if you want to be a good footballer and play for the Matildas, uh, spaghetti bolognese. Uh, eat lots of spaghetti bolognese. That's Absolutely. What, that's yeah. what I got out of it yesterday. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Look, um, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this and we'll be talking about the week in football. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron is a fourth generation family business. Ring us about your custom gate and fence projects. We can manufacture, install or automate your gates, offer electronic security or simply just provide sound advice. Let our family look after your family. Oswest Fencing and Raw Iron. Call us on 9258-6822. Station sponsor.
Cristiano Ronaldo, Wayne Rooney, Veron. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening in to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle and we appreciate you tuning in. One hundred seven point nine FM, your local station. Now, such a lot has happened over the past week, but I suppose we we can't go past this past week without the, the passing of a legend. Mm. Um, and for all of us of a certain age, um, his name was synonymous with English football. Bobby Charlton. Bobby Charlton. Everybody knew Bobby Charlton. Yeah, I think it's one of those names, isn't it? Along with Pele, you can yeah. go anywhere in the world. And you could mention Pele and Bobby Cholton and everyone knew exactly what you're talking about. Absolutely. And the only or the last surviving uh, member of the Munich air crash. Lot, yeah. And also now leaves only one surviving member of the 1966 World Cup final. Yes, yes, Jeff Hurst. Jeff Hurst. So, yeah. Um, yeah it's getting, people are getting old, aren't they? They are. And it's, it's one of those things, though, and I still don't get used to it, watching my childhood legends drop off the perch. Mm. Did you see Bobby? Did you see him play? Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, look, uh, and and his brother Jackie, and you know, a lot of those guys, because obviously, you know, um, been of that age, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was a bit too young to see him play. I met him a few times. Always, yeah. always a nice, always a gentleman. Well, having said that, I mean, he did play three games out here for Perth, Missouri in 1980. And scored two goals. In three games. Yeah, no, not bad. <laughs> so he must know what he was doing. <laughs> oh, look, and he, he was, what, 43 at the time? Yeah. Do you reckon and any of those were these trademark screamers? To, uh, oh, I think oh. By, by then, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, the, you, you, you look at that career, he spent so long at, at, um, at Man United, but he, he went to Preston North End and was the player manager there. And, you know, he's... As I said, his name is just synonymous with English football, and and I just remember that that balling head with the comb over, and you know, <laughs> almost sideways when he struck the ball, and you just it's just unbelievable. Yeah. I've just got memories of that blaster playing for England in the might have been the quarterfinal of '66, and Kenny Forsen home to commentator Cholton one nil. Oh yeah, like, absolutely! What a great voice! What a great yeah, commentator! And along with the theme tune to this show. Um, you know, things like Charlton, you just you heard it in the background. One nil. Yeah, the, the, the only problem I have with it, though, is you kind of remind me of Charlton Athletic every time I heard it, but it doesn't matter. Well, they're, they're, oh, I could say they're irrelevant, but I'm not going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, look, I, I thought it was good. Um, good good career, and I, I think we celebrate his, his life rather than mourn his passing. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Um, just a magnificent uh, man, respected by all. Um, you know, board director at Man United. Um, yeah, look, it's it's sad, but it, it's one of those things. And I suppose when you look at the golden generation of Australian football, even this current team of Matildas, their time will come. So, you know, I think we just got to look at. We talk about Bobby Charlton and, and Sam Kerr, but Bobby Charlton, no one ever had a bad word to say no, about him. No. He was really a, was a gentleman, gentleman, yeah. gentleman footballer, and, and one of those players that won everything. 
yeah. won everything, you know, and only I think it was only just recently. Well, the World Cup just gone where Messi yeah. won the World Cup as Messi's uh, joined the Bobby Charlton club. And the the only blot in his copybook was in 1970 with uh, in Mexico where he and Bobby Moore got arrested for stealing the necklace, <laughs> and he he was released and Bobby Moore was kept. So I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Typ- typical Cockneys. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, now. Matildas in Perth, as we said before, um, a game on Wednesday night, um, which was quite interesting, contrasting styles. Um, most important stat for me was three games, over 100,000 Perthites mm. going to the games. Uh, that's fantastic. You, you, that would never have happened, would it? Well, five years ago, wasn't it? What I'm saying, five, six years ago when they yeah. last played here and a crowd of 7,000 watched the five win. Yeah. 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 Remember that night? Yeah, same here. Yeah. Um, and look, it's quite interesting that the you know they talk about the being paid a thousand dollars to play for a season or whatever it was, and you know Mackenzie Arnold, um, who else was there? That, um, I'm trying to think who they were, but they all played at the Glory. So mm. you know, and seeing Jamie Harmel because um, Jamie and those girls all played out of Ashfield at that time, and it was just you know brings back a lot of memories oh, okay. for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had four or five of those Matildas playing out of or future Matildas playing out mm. there. And Sam Kerr, um, as a young girl, uh, every time she got the ball, just, you know, you, you, you knew that so, was going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a shame you haven't got a shirt signed by them all, because how much would that be worth these days? <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew now. I might have had a ball somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> but look, um, the 2 0 win, uh, I thought the first couple of minutes, there was one of one of the women that they're playing against just threw herself on the floor, clutched her ankle, and... and no way she'd been even challenged, no. and that sort of set up the no, night. That, that was, was their, that, that was, was their the story tactic. of the night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, time. I think they just tried to do damage limitation. Oh, uh, look, it bro- broke up the play. It just it, yeah. made things. And I think a couple of times the referee played on and just said, "No, nah, get, get on, on with it. it, get up." Um, didn't do it enough for mine and no. allowed them to to do that. I, I think there should have been a few more. Uh, as much as I don't like seeing yellow cards, but. I think there was one booking, and that was for the goalkeeper in the 90th minute for time-wasting, who had been time-wasting yeah. since minute one. So, yeah. uh, yeah. I, reckon, I, th- I thought very disciplined display by the Matildas. Mm. And I think, you know, uh, when they realised what was going to happen if you got anywhere near them, that they were not going in as hard as they could on people. So they had resorted to tackling each other to get in. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, yeah. interesting. It was point. interesting. I thought the, uh, yeah. the, 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 the Iranian physios, uh, you know, I think they did more kilometres than anyone else. I heard like. one of them pulled a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was in the shed watching that game and someone started playing the Benny Hill theme tune as they were running on and off every time. So uh, that was quite comic. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Look, I think, and, and we got now the Philippines, It'll be a different prospect tomorrow. I think the Philippines, post Stagic. Yeah. Um, have a belief in themselves. They've got a couple of glory uh, W players playing for them. Glory, yeah. So um, you I know, think, and I think we'll see the A team tomorrow start. Yeah, yeah, yeah without a doubt. Yeah. Um, last week in the A League and A League W, Perth Glory double header, uh, women two 0 over Newcastle. Yeah, couldn't it? Great result, um, and you know, I still think. There's there's a bit to go for them. I thought bits mm. of their play looked a little disjointed and it wasn't quite where it needs to be. But a, a nice discipline display, defended very well. Um, goalkeeper had very little to do. And I think, you know, they, they built up well. The men, 
I can see elements of what Stadgic's trying to do, and I think you know the ball was not going back as as much as it used mm. to, and it was going when it was it was going back sideways and, and cycled out, so a bit more disciplined in in that regard. Rome's not built in a day, though. No, it's not. But you can see, I think for mine, that was probably the best game I've seen Ori Collie play. Yep. Um, he had a bit more free license to create, um, probably. Whether it's his confidence or whether he's not able to, I don't know. But we just need that little bit more creativity in the middle. Um, I thought we were kind of one-dimensional going towards goal. But other than that, um, great display. Back four looked for a a newish back four, pretty solid. Um, And the two goals, personally, I I thought both of them goalkeeping errors. Mm, Yeah, but it's a simple game. And I just wonder in the last few years whether... Coaches, players have over or been told to overcomplicate it. Going back to the Tillys game Thursday as well, take the second goal with Sam Kerr. It was a, such a simple goal. Yeah, you know, don't over. It's a simple game played by. Well, I was going to say simple people. <laughs> watch, yeah, watch, but, watch but, but you had to look at the the skill it took. I mean, the, there were three people that should have been starting, but Mary Fowler just shifting the ball from one foot to the other pass, yeah. then to um, I can't remember who it was now, but anyway, she got the ball. And just a lovely pass yeah, to the back beautiful. post. Yeah. You know, and that was that's what made it. It pass wasn't move, it didn't have move, it didn't have to goal. be Sam. You or I could have been on the end of oh, that and scored it, you know. Well, you maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a defender, I'd probably put it over the bar from there, but you know, I'm not fast enough though, to get there. <laughs> it, but it was like you said, a simple game and beautifully put on a plate. Yeah. For someone oh, at that level should be able to yeah. just bury it, you know. So yeah, I thought that was that was excellent bit of play. Uh, and it's like everything. Sometimes that simple stuff is so hard to do because people are over trying or mm. not, you know, they're, they're trying to look better than they are. Um, Mary Fowler didn't try to do anything other than she knew exactly I'm going to shift from one foot to the other, push the ball through the space, and, and that's it. She just made like half a foot of room, boom, done. That's all it needed. That's all yeah. it needed. So but, don't try and do too much. But going back to the glory, the, uh, yep. the old long distance derby or derby today, isn't it? So, it is, yeah, up against Wellington, Wellington. today. Yeah, and that's interesting because Wellington, new coach, a um, bit similar to glory. Um, I think they're expecting big things. Haven't really spent big. Um, I think they've gone quite local as well. Mm. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting game. That's at 12.30 today. Um, already one game played in this round, which was last night between uh, Brisbane, Brisbane and Sydney. Sydney normally been the, the powerhouse. Oh, yeah. And 3-0 loss for yeah, them. I was a bit shocked, really. I was quite surprised when I saw that result come in. Oh. Yeah, same here. You know, and so, yeah. is, this the year, is this the year that it's open to anyone? I think it could be. Yeah. 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 Look, you get years like that, didn't you, where you it's a, uh, an even league and it could be up. For, it's up for grabs. I think there's another phrase, isn't Absolutely it? Absolutely it is. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, today we've also got um, games with Central Coast playing MacArthur. Um, don't know how that one will go. Victory versus Jets. Western Sydney Wanderers versus Western United, United and Adelaide versus Melbourne. That last one looks like it'd be a cracker. Yeah, I think they're probably the two that are, Adelaide look quite quite good, I think. so. Well, Adelaide, Brisbane. Mm, yeah. yeah. Again, it's up for grabs. Mm. No, it's up for grabs, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't well, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Brisbane-Sydney game was a replay of the, the um, oh, F- yeah. FA Cup final. Yes. Um, but the results have been reversed, mm. so... Maybe yeah. Brisbane had a bit of payback in I think, that one. I think we need to wait a few rounds before oh, yeah. before we all settle down and start going how we're going to win the league 
<laughs> Every team starts off going, we're going to win the league. Not necessarily with the team I support. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might touch on that later. Um, EPL, Tottenham have been, and, and Ange, 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 Ange Fever, whatever you want to call it, um, Tottenham have got it. Uh, great win last night. They, they've managed to, to beat... Um, who they beat last night? Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm just, anyway, they won two. Well, late night, I know that. So uh, yeah, beat, beat, oh, of course they they beat Palace. Oh, what a shame! <laughs> oh dear, oh, never mind. I'm <laughs> Should have I, been more Tottenham. What I'm, are you doing? I'm not. I've got a mate who supports them, so it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good weekend. Um, but yeah, look, he's he's set the league on fire, and it's not just in the football. You know, he's he's got a team that's lost. Maybe it's talisman in Harry Kane. And everyone's gone, ah, they're done. He's really not brought anybody in of any real note. No, I think Madison's the only Madison's real the only, one. And yeah, but that was done before he... Before he joined, yeah. yeah. He's not signed anyone, has he? And, no. And I don't know about you, but when they played here in Perth against West Ham in that pre-season, I didn't actually think they were all... I know it's pre-season and it was their first game and they're probably all jet-lagged, but I wasn't overly impressed with... With Tottenham, I wasn't at all. impressed with both. Sides, I wasn't impressed yeah. with West Ham either, to be honest. But I never you wouldn't. But <laughs> <you're Millwall. laughs> yeah. but yeah. you would never have guessed that you know come the end of October and Tottenham are going to be sitting high top of the league and they can relax this weekend because they're still going to be top after all the absolutely the five results. points. Five oh, points yeah. clear. Um, with you know they played ten, everyone else has played nine. But you know. The, the thing is, though, is the football is certainly working for them, and, and everyone's waiting for that bubble to burst, but it's not. Um, and, you know, we all know what Ange can do, and he'll just keep trying to win games. I don't think they've really played anyone of note yet, and we'll see what happens when they come up oh, against the City or an Arsenal. And Everybody's got to play each other. Absolutely. But where he's really winning the war is his attitude and his responses to the media. If, yeah, I was just if you ever see his press conferences. Yeah. It was, I watched the last one, and I was in stitches. Yeah. He really... Doesn't care, does he? No, he doesn't. He's just typical laid back, and it's but even like, but even like the when they're talking about the Liverpool game where Liverpool wanted a replay, and he said, "Yeah, what, what's your thoughts on on Liverpool having a replay?" He said, "If it's on FIFA, I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. You know, he just the, the little references and quips he comes mm. up with. He, he closes down the stupid questions really easily, and then there was that one where we had the um, young lad who was um, autistic or whatever who was been busting to ask a question and the host, host goes to shut down the discussion. He goes, hang on, there's one oh, very well, more important more. question. Yeah. Young man up there. Yeah. You know, just really, again, I don't know whether it's the, the Aussie nature or the Aussie larrikin, but he loves doing that stuff. He does. Uh, but he's, he's, again, down to earth and he's not one of these coaches that's, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed that West Ham didn't sack Moyes and bring him in, but... Um, well, everyone thought it was a gamble, didn't they? Oh, it's a gamble I would have made. Oh, well, I think everybody's yeah. wishing that it was a gamble they made now. Yeah. Know, so. Oh, you've just got to look at his history, where he's mm. been, what he's done. He's not been a failure anywhere. So, you know, he went to, to Japan under lots of, oh, you'll never do anything, took Yokohama to the, the mm. title. He went to Celtic and he went, Ange, who, what are you going to do for us? And he's won the league there. I know it's only one or two teams that win it every year, but, you know. 
still had to do the job. Has to do it. And, uh, well, talking of uh, going to Japan, there's also another Aussie that's currently managing in Japan. Yes. That's, that's hotly rumoured to be maybe flying over to take up a new job in England, uh, no, I thought possibly. maybe Scotland, but, yeah. they were Scotland, yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, being yeah. he's played for both teams, it's, uh, yeah. it's a possibility. I think the only thing that stopped Muskie is, is his reputation as a player in England, but... Well, we loved him. I know you would, but you know, broken legs are trophies. In, but yeah, it is. But he's a completely different person as a manager, apparently. Yeah, he is. So uh, and uh, yeah, he's he's one of the bookies' favourites to to end up in somewhere in the UK. And he still holds a record for, for having broken the most legs, legs in football. Know, most yeah. reds cards as well, was it? Yeah, yeah you know, okay. people talk about Vinnie Jones, but what a grub. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but looking at looking at the Premier League table, and you've got Tottenham there on the top, and Man City are second, and they've got they're away to Man United on Sunday, so I know. that could be. You know, Ange, yeah. Ange could be five points clear still at the year. Uh, although Arsenal are, should win their game, but you know, yeah. could be Tottenham and Arsenal as a one-two going yeah. into November. It's, it's funny though because you look at the games this week. You know, Wolves versus Newcastle. Um, Wolves are a very capable side. Newcastle just lost in Europe, so um, you know they'll be they'll be hungry for another win. But mm. they're going okay. Um, West Ham playing Everton. Um, you know, I know on paper it looks like it, but. Um, West Ham or West Ham and Everton or Everton. Yeah, but we've never had a really good record against Everton. Yeah. But, you know, it's, anything could happen. Villa versus Luton, you've got to say um, Villa. Luton, Luton are going to lose that. <laughs> they could have win. well... They've got to win one somewhere. Could, yeah, well, one. so Sheffield yeah. United, and that's not looking optimistic, yeah. is it? <laughs> Bright, Brighton versus Fulham. Um, Brighton are very good, but got a very poor record when they played in Europe the week before. Oh, they won, They won though, didn't they? Mm. They won 2-0. Oh, they won in Europe, but yeah. they, normally the game after. Oh, yes. The Sunday yeah. after, they don't seem to be... Uh, but I think they're, they're running with a small squad, which they doesn't are. help. Yeah, they'll beat Fulham. Liverpool versus Forest, with, you know, with the VAR and as a 12th man, they should be all right. Oh, well, you know, the referee will leave his red cards behind, don't he? <laughs> <laughs> and then the big game in England has to be Man United versus City. Mm, always a good game. Uh, look, it's everything, isn't it? It's, it's just what you, as a boy, you, you dream about playing football at that level. Um but I think, you know, for, for the neutrals, that's the pick of the, the, the season. It really. is, and it's always the game that's on late at night, and especially now the clock's changed this weekend in the UK, so everything gets moved back another hour. So uh, get your matchsticks out for your eyeballs or <laughs> just watch the highlights. Yeah, no, I've been morning. enjoying the early games, and then the yeah. late game starts at 10.30, which I can, yeah. I can just about do. Oh, I normally but, last a half-time, and if it's rubbish, yeah, I'll well, that's go what I do, yeah. a half-time. And then, then if you know, West Ham are two went up at half-time, I think myself we could lose this by full-time. So I go to bed. <laughs> That's what normally happens with me. <laughs> We're two 0 up. We're going to lose three two. Yeah, I know. Look, it's and that's that's football, isn't it? Um, yeah. So that that will be the cracking game, I think. And it, we complain about that, but yeah, I've got friends who live in the eastern states who are absolutely envious of it because yeah. you know they get up right in the middle of the night, two a.m. to watch a game, or when the clocks do change they're getting up at three or four to watch a game but they're midweek game times over yeah. in sydney it's like seven o'clock in the morning kickoff oh wouldn't you watch a watch a game before you go to work i well, would do if it didn't start at eight and have to leave the house before oh, then that's so. why you watch it on your phone <laughs> <laughs> i ride a motorbike <laughs> i'm not watching i'm not watching i was seeing things like that happen on the freeway <laughs> with others <laughs> yeah absolutely um now in the championship um millwall you had you had a good season last year What's happened this year? We had a good 45 games. Yeah. And then game 46, which uh, Hugh and I have had a many conversations um, how we were we were destined for the playoffs at half-time and 
for some reason they decided to jump on the tube to Wembley Park and forget to play the second half of the game and uh, since then it's not really been the same um, and just recently we've uh, we, we lost our manager through mutual consent oh okay so, and uh, they, everyone is saying it was mutual this time and for once I actually believe that both clubs did decide that he's been there for nearly five years mm. which is a long time in management these days absolutely yeah. it's actually quite interesting I was talking to um, Anstagic about his tenure as a, as a glory coach and um you know somebody in the conversation said um well the the lifespan of a coach in the a league is around about three or five years and he said why should it be mm. why should it be that well, way i think as long as you keep evolving and keep yeah. coming up with new ideas but you look at, at ferguson wenger you know uh, and i know look in the, the 70s liverpool um, paisley wasn't it paisley shankly. shankly just that progression west mm. ham was, was doing the same through theirs um ipswich with bobby robson wasn't yeah it? exactly yeah. and you you know I, I think he's right that really if you're going to invest in a coach and the philosophy then you've got to do that and unless there's something severely wrong why would you get rid of the coach mm. you know both ferguson and wenger retired rather than were sacked so you know, I, I like that approach, and I think you know someone who wants to invest long term is is there, and and last thing you really need is someone who who wants to be um, a coach for a bigger club. I know. So we'll see. But we've got a good we're, we're playing Watford away. We've got a good you record. Are. Good record yeah. at Watford. So we we usually beat Watford at Watford and they usually beat us at our place. So what Watford at fifteenth in the yeah, league. We're about seventeenth. Yeah, sixteenth. Yeah, so yeah, well, big a, game. What a, a mid table relegation yeah. <laughs> six pointer. <laughs> Another game for the, the neutral though is in division division two, Notts County in second place. Play Wrexham oh, in third. Dear. The showbiz the showbiz eleven. I know, but I'm, I'm just loving that um that documentary on them it's just great to watch it's, it's, i've not seen it i must admit I, I've, you need I've got to. to get around to watching mm. it so uh but yeah no that's they're the they're the two teams if from you're a fan year. of lower league football yeah then you've got to watch that i've seen my fair share of lower league football i know but it really is good so it's such a, a good documentary no matter how these two americans are adjusting to the english game and the vagaries of it and it's it's a it's got elements of football manager in it where they're just trying to go out there <laughs> and buy you know the cheat code. Oh, I just still so play football. I'm sure. I'm sure. Let's have all of a guilty confession here, but I still play football manager. I used to play football manager a lot <laughs> until I got involved in running a state league club, <laughs> and then then I was doing it for real, and I just stopped. You couldn't sign Messi and Ronaldo then, could you? If you no, <laughs> no. You didn't have the cheat code of you know getting another <laughs> oh, club and then well, destroying them. That was the old days when you used to be able to get into the data editor and edit your team yeah, and be the exactly. best team in the world. And <laughs> <laughs> got out of those days. Oh yeah, look, I remember my my son Martin got into the, the Liverpool side and and he um, adjusted the Martin Kelly stats, so he was <laughs> like seven foot eight, um, <laughs> could run faster than Usain Bolt. You know, just he adjusted everything because that was his name obviously playing for Liverpool at the time you know that's funny love yeah, it it's, it's happy days isn't it so, yeah. But, yeah Notts County Wrexham second versus third as well so it's um, and then in the National League we've got oh, good we've got, National League I love the National we've League we've got Boreham Wood playing South End Boreham Wood at 16th and my home team South End in 14th with, with a 10 point deduction, deduction. well I'm, I'm just pleased they're still going well, they're saved. An Australian's coming. An Australian's saved them because they yeah. were so many times uh, 
owed the tax men a load of money and kept deferring and oh, look, and the, it's, the it's previous, all to do with the, oh, no. the it's all to do with the yeah the previous chairman who I don't think we should mention no. because of a uh, legal legal I, reasons. I've only got about thirty bucks in my pocket, you know? <laughs> 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 but there was some um, no. But locally, there's been um, a deep seated hatred of the owner for a long time, a lot longer than Sage was ever involved with Glory. Yeah, um, and ever since I was a lad, they were talking about building a new stadium and now that's all dissipated because he's kept that land yeah and he's going to develop factory units on it that's but right. look play out at roots hall roots Halls. I, used to, I used to love going to roots hall in south end you know you used to play a lot of games on a friday night south yeah. end you used to yeah. well where am i going to go oh, i'm going to go football on a friday night go and watch south end play and a few of us used to go up there well if you if you remember the ground if you looked over the top of the north stand there was a, a block of flats that's right a block of flats yeah i used to live in them so that used to be the away end you wouldn't you know before they when i no, when i was a boy that was a home end. Oh, that's, they keep swapping it over as an away yeah. supporter i've been both stands behind the goal yeah. so and then when we played liverpool in the fa cup in 88 um the, the home team had the south stand and my wife and I were right behind the goal in the south stand. I was only, what, 17 or 18 at the time. Happy days, eh? Oh, brilliant. Great days. Always have a day at the south end. Yeah, nil-nil draw against the, the one of the, the best oh, Liverpool really? sides ever. Yeah. Uh, Dalgleish, Sooness, they were all there, you know. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Then went up to Liverpool and got done. But, you know... <laughs> Happy great, days. Great, great, great memories. Yeah, absolutely great memories. All right, we're going to go to a break. We'll be back after this with Alex Epicus of the First Glory, and someone has not done my list for me, so that doesn't help me at <laughs> all one bit. Uh, hard to get good staff around here, you know. Oh. You, you've no idea what it's like. Um, so I'm only year number two. <laughs> <laughs> Gate and Fence Hardware WA, your one-stop shop for all gate and fence hardware components, wrought iron, automation and electronic gate security. We can offer great advice and solutions for your project. Trade and layman, welcome. Hardware shipped all over Australia. Contact the team on 92586822 or shop online at gateandfencehardware.com.au. Station sponsor. You're listening to Community Radio, powered by passionate football volunteers just like myself. You can appreciate the entertainment by becoming a station member. Hi, I'm Phil Kelly, chair of the Football West Men's State League Standing Committee. Listen in next for Western Australian local football news. Listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Hey, so uh, while Sean's just having a few technical de- de- uh, technical issues with the phone, yeah, Sean, you press the buttons. That's how you ring people. Um, he's. Uh, I just thought, uh, you know, and Sean, if you're still listening while he's uh, multitasking, but I was very interested to see the result of a recent game between Bangladesh and the Maldives. Um, basically, the the. Um, World Cup qualifiers and the Asian Cup qualifiers. That result, the game between Bangladesh and the Maldives, 
Um, the winning team were going to be in the Australia group for that Asian Cup. And uh, I was just thinking, wouldn't it be great for a away trip to the Maldives to watch the Aussies play? I'm sure there'd been a few, uh, a few people that would have done that journey. But unfortunately, they lost, I think, 3-2 on aggregate. Um, and so uh, the Bangladesh go into the Australia group, I think, with Palestine and Lebanon, which... Uh, it's going to cause uh, some uh, some slight issues, I think, with uh, with that. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I think I think I read that Palestine have got to play in Algeria, their home ground. So it's an awful long way to go to watch a game of football. So, uh, but we're just uh, just going back to that Premier League talk. One game we didn't talk about was the local South West London derby with Chelsea versus Brentford. Yes, yeah, you know, that'd be interesting. So, uh, I've got a good friend who's a Brentford supporter and he's chuffed how they're doing, you know. So it should be. Yeah, yeah I fancy are, Brentford. The Bees are doing okay. Yeah. Um, and when you're talking about the um, the Olympic qualifiers, I think at the moment no one knows who they're playing beyond this round, which we can talk about later, <laughs> but that's, that's astounding. Anyway, joining us on the line now is Alex Epicus of Perth Glory Women. Um, Alex, good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, very good, mate. Very happy with how things are going um, with the, the Perth Glory women. And I think when you look at your first season where you walked in in the middle of COVID with no players and about two weeks to get a side together, um, this season's the complete contrast. Whilst everyone else at the club was going, we don't have a coach, we don't have an owner, we don't have this, and players were leaving, you'd already started signing for this year and you, you've signed quite an impressive list of players and it was just something I noticed over the, the closed season that you were just chipping away getting the people that you wanted in place and it seems like this season's been very very well organised and structured, is is that how you you designed it to be or was that just something that happened? Yeah, yeah look I think that's a, a really good summation of, of the time so far that I've had you know, that first season now feels like a lifetime ago. It was very difficult, but it was um, it was through some of those heartaches and those learning experiences, which I think have allowed me in the place to really grow and progress. And, you know, we've had a, a really good competitive few seasons since then, and we've had a, a good start this year. There's yeah. definitely some residual from those experiences in the first year, which have uh, have helped us. Absolutely. And I think, you know, some of the things that you did very early, obviously securing someone like Tash Rigby is a no-brainer. Um, you know, what she does on the pitch is, is fantastic, but what she does off the pitch um, and, you know, just she is the glue that holds that, that side together was, was a great move. And then you've just slowly pieced in those um, other players around it. And then obviously after your involvement in the World Cup, um, we brought in a couple of, of quality Filipino players, um, which really just completed the jigsaw puzzle, if you like. Yep, a hundred percent. Look, I think I am someone who's got a really clear idea of how I want my teams to function, and I think when you've got clarity around how how the game should look, um, then the recruitment stuff becomes a lot easier. You're not just you know, closing your eyes and, and hope you hit the target with the player. You, you're bringing in people that have got the attributes and the profile to, to come into a specific playing style and a system. And then you also have to make sure that they've got the re a really strong personality and, 
and the right type of character to come into the group. And I think if you if you got clarity around those two areas, then you've got a lot more chance of getting it right as a coach when when you are recruiting players. And you know, it, you mentioned some of the some of the players like Tash as well, who who had had a level of glue throughout the team and just level of experience so it's it's a mixture of the leadership that we have within the playing group and just doing some really smart things during the off season from a retention point of view yeah and i think the other thing is that you're, you're not recruiting just purely on reputation or the publicity the person gets and you see it quite a lot in the european leagues where they'll buy a player who has done well in a world cup or is the you know mbappe or someone like that and they bring him into the team and it, all of a sudden, the chemistry of the team is destroyed. Um, and I, Christian Ronaldo going to Man U recently, you know, one of the best players in the world goes into one of the best teams in the world, and it just doesn't happen. Um, and that's the, the stuff that you seem to do very well, is you're not just bringing in a quality player. You're bringing in a player that will, will fit with that team, who's not going to upset the team dynamics uh, and will complement everything you're trying to do. You're making me sound like a, a super coach, mate. You're being very <laughs> you warm are. With your words. That's, that's why you're that. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, mate, I I can assure you over my time, um, even before my time at Perth, you know, the recruitment and retention is a big part of the business. Uh, and, you know, I've made mistakes along the way. That's, that's 100% accurate for me to... And I'm open in saying that. But I think over time and through experiences I've mentioned, you you learn how to navigate that side of the game a little bit more. And I'm, I'm well informed enough now to know that, as you mentioned, the name isn't necessarily what's bringing you value. Uh, it's what they're actually doing. Actions over words and action over names is probably more prevalent in my ideology of how I want to operate as a coach. And I'm happy to work with players that are willing to work as well, you know, and I think that that's a big part of it. If, there's, if our mindsets are aligned... Um, and they're, they're willing to come in and, and play a role within the team and buy into what we're doing, then fantastic. They've got a real chance of doing well. And coachability buys into that as well. You know, you can have some players that just, I don't respect my coach, I'm not going to listen to them. So that is another part of the, the puzzle. But um, you spent some time during the World Cup working with um, Alan Stagic. Um, how important was that for your development to be in a, a World Cup environment but also learning from someone like Stage? Yeah, look, I think the reality is, you know, as I mentioned, I've got I've got some clarity around how, how I want to operate as a coach, how I want to operate as a leader. And I've been doing so for a number of years, but I haven't been given an opportunity to really see how my processes and, and my beliefs uh, coincide with another top coach because normally it's quite a segregated industry mm. so to be go, to be able to go into his environment uh, as a head coach in my own right but then to be a support staff to him it really allowed me to to take the back seat and sit at the back of the room instead of the front of the room and just see someone else operate in full flow and that in itself is something that i think uh, was really important for me at this stage in my career in particular because as i said you don't often get the chance to to cross check your work uh, and to see it done in a, at a national level, at a World Cup level, with what I believe is one of the best coaches in the business, um, certainly something that uh, has offered a lot of value to my own sort of expertise. And 
it's grown my portfolio as a coach tremendously and now to have him in the building as well is something that you know I'm really pleased about and we have some really great discussions. So during the World Cup, how much of that did you know? Was he, I don't know when he was actually appointed or when the, the conversation started, but um, were you aware that you were going to end up with him at the club? Uh, it's quite bizarre. It was, it was after the last game, I think, um, walking home and I started to hear about it circulate through the media. And to be honest, nothing was said during the campaign when they were 100% fixated on on that experience and, and, you know, doing what was required then. And, yeah, once I sort of started to read it uh, and then next thing you know, it was made public officially from the club. And, yeah, it was... Oh, I mean, it's how it's... Funny how the world works, how, how that all sort of culminated. And um, I think the reality is is that Alan saw a really great opportunity to, to build something here, and that's what's drawn him here. Oh, without a doubt. And I think, you know, there's, the club's very fortunate to have him. But back to your team and, and what they're doing this year. You've um, Two years ago, um, in the aftermath of COVID and a, a really terrible season in in number of ways i felt that you you were although you didn't win too many games you weren't far off winning mm. them last year definite improvement but you still were losing the odd game by a goal or two this year you've just gone out there and and you know doing the business uh, and yet having watched you play last weekend i still feel there's there's work to be done yeah, I, I think that we're chasing a perfect performance and we know that that's not something that's attainable, but we're going to work very hard to get to that point. And I think if that's our sort of benchmark, then you take care of business in between all of that with winning and performing well. The reality is is that we are drawn to the idea that in se- my, my second season we missed finals by, by one goal. Okay. My season we missed finals by one point. So we know that every little percent in, in all of our performance matters and we're not really wanting to be in a position where we look back at the end of the season and say, what if What if we didn't concede another goal? What if we turn that draw into a win? We just want to make sure we're proactive in taking the initiative in every single game regardless of the opposition and we're, we're playing to win and we have to be 100% focused for the, the 90, 90 plus minutes. So Alex, with the start that you've made this season... Do you think are you is it annoying, disappointing? You've got no game this week to carry on the momentum, or is it nice to just stop, recharge, and refocus and have a look to see where we can improve? Well, you know, it, it's an interesting one because again, in three seasons today, even last year, we, we've had schedule changes and we've not played games at home. We've relocated. We've never had a normal season with a consistent <laughs> schedule. So missing a week now for an international break, it's. Um, this is this is easy as we we're, we're more than comfortable with that. Gives us a little bit more time to do some work on the training pitch. So now, look, I, I I really believe that if anything, it just creates even more energy and excitement. They're ready to roll for next week. Yeah, because after two wins out two, you know the momentum's there and. Really, you know, we, we were we were at the, the football centre, the Sam Kerr centre yesterday, and and mm-hmm. watched a bit of your training and. I was yep. I was quite impressed with like the, the way the professionalism and which you know and we're going back to like when the Matildas played here a few years ago and there was only seven thousand. How much 
the, the development and the professionalism has grown in, in, in the women's side of the game, which, you know, it's absolutely fantastic to see. And the amount of people that were just sitting in that stand watching you guys train yesterday was, was absolutely fantastic. Mm. It was a really special day yesterday on a number of fronts. And, you know, to be a small part of that was something I'm going to hold because that centre in itself is going to play a huge part in, you know, inspiring and developing the, the next set of young female players coming through. It's also acknowledged Sam, who's, you know, a real flag bearer for the game and for the sport. And then you've also, yeah, seen, seen it just from a community standpoint, what it can bring. And I, I thought yesterday was... It was a really fantastic event. Yeah, look, it was great. It was great to see so many young kids there, male, male and female, all with Kerr on the back of their shirts. Um, and, you know, a little disappointing that when the Matildas left, um, that Eskimo Joe were left playing to about 50 or 60 people. But, you know, look, it's um, that's, that's what they were there for. And it just shows that the draw that... Um, Sam and women's football have and I suppose that's part of that momentum. Now the good thing is that um, some of your squad um, would have played with, with people like Sam and Mackenzie Arnold throughout their careers and I know um, that a lot of those girls had played for the glory a number of years back so there is that connection and I think for a young girl coming forward they can see there is a pathway now. Yep, well, I couldn't agree more, yeah. You, yeah, you, you've said it exactly how it should be. We we need players, you know, to to continue to lead the way um, and, and to inspire and to lead by example, and that's certainly happening in full effect currently. And the the general vibe and the follow on effect that that will have is um, that's priceless. I saw a number of players yesterday, sorry, a number of young boys and girls yesterday who had. As you mentioned, Sam Kerr on the back, Susan Fong Song Cam on the back, Hannah Lowry on their back. And this is young boys and young girls. Yeah. And uh, I took so much away from that. There was just a, a moment there of realisation that we're, we're really in the middle of something really special. And I know it's something I'm really... I acknowledge and, and I'm really excited about. And I know that the group of players that I'm working with, they're, they're just excited and inspired by it. Mm. Now, you, last week's doubleheader, um, I think we had a, a crowd over a 1,000 for the women's game, which was great. Um, and Claire seems to have just got this habit of banging them in from, from distance. Um, but that, that was a good start. You're, you're back now to playing at Sterling. Do you think the future's playing out at the State Football Centre? Uh, that's a good question. Or well, the Sam Kerr Football uh, Centre, sorry? We... Oh, I'm not sure what the future holds in that regard. I yeah. think, you know, that's something the club will look into. Or we just want to make sure that we're doing our business on the pitch, and mm. whether that's home or away, at the State Football Centre at Macedonia Park, or you know, at HBF, it doesn't phase us. You know, Macedonia Park and Stirling in particular have been fantastic supporters of ours over the last few years, and we have built an affinity with the club, with the clubhouse there, and and the field itself and it does yeah. feel like home but you know that's ultimately up to the club and the owners and how they want it to look going forward mm. Alex can I just ask is it is it best playing if you're playing in front of a crowd of a thousand is it best playing at a smaller venue so people are more closer to the ground and you can hear things or rather than play at HBF where it's a 20,000 and there's only a thousand people there and people are rattling around. Is, is the preference to play in a smaller venue so it does feel more atmospheric and, and, and more compact maybe? 
I'd love to play in front of 20,000. Oh, yeah, we would love to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> but, but um, look, when you're playing with... with yeah, if, if you're, if you're drawing 2,000, that more intimate style is something that I think creates a bit more of an energy and mm. you can feel it a lot more. But, you know, on the flip side, playing at an empty stadium, it's, um, you know, the aesthetic is nice and the cosmetics of it is nice but you don't get that that energy from the crowd but again mate the reality is we when you're that zoned into your performance um we're again we're happy to play anywhere yeah 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 i I suppose as a player you do tend to to filter out the the noises and that you don't need or want to to have and i think you know when you when you're playing in much bigger crowds um the noise certainly can be a a positive for you and I, some players and I'll, I'll quote Muscat he actually got off on the booing and the, the hatred so you know um, yep. it just it depends on the individual and some people just phase it out completely and it becomes an irrelevance but you know there's there's things about the the quality of the surface the the environment itself you know HBF is a wonderful um, place to play one of the best grounds in in the country I think um, as far as the playing surface goes Um so I think everyone wants to play on it. But, um, you know, as you said, there are other things about the, the home and just the, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some of that money that was given last night to develop, say, some decent change rooms at Sterling. I've, I've been to the change rooms at Sterling. They were built in the 70s and they they were great then. Um, do they need some work now? Yeah, they definitely do. Um, but, you know, I suppose that's where the, the investment in football needs to be in improving these grounds and getting them up to a, a good standard. Yeah, and I think the legacy from the well up across Australia and New Zealand has has uh, allowed a platform for the players, uh, both women and men, to now have access to even higher resources at some of our major stadiums across the country, and we're all benefiting from that. You know, the change rooms at HBF have. You can certainly see the work that went into them leading into the World Cup because they're um, they're state of the art. Yeah. And, and, and Alex, can I can I just talk about one of your players because someone who I've I've sort of followed uh, in her career, obviously being being a Londoner myself, is uh, is young Millie Farrow. Um, how has she settled in, and what does she brought to the team this year? Oh, she was settled. I think the moment she got off here. <laughs> She's such a, a vibrant character. There, she's got a lot of energy. She's got, you know, some quirk in her. She's got some, some really great cheek about her as well. You know, often at my expense, but <laughs> she's uh, she's definitely brought an, a level of energy uh, to this team, which we haven't really seen recently. It's she's a one of a kind character, and the fact that she's able to do that from the front, it really sets the example and. Yeah, she's um, yeah, she's so great. It is, I'm really enjoying working with her, and you know, she's had a, an up and down career to mm, date. Yeah, a number of injuries, but you know, this is the first time in a long time. She mentioned to me the other day that she's been able to start and get good minutes in consecutive games, and that's that's what it is. Though it's just a starting point, and I know that she's working very hard. She wants to continue to to be the best that she can be, and I, I really share that ambition with her and. She's going to have a really strong impact on the competition, not just on our team. And she's really building a really effective and, and creative um, 
duo with with Grace Charley. Yeah, yeah. And is she using the experience from playing in in England and in America and sharing them those experiences with with say the younger the younger players in your team now? Yeah, and she she's a born footballer. She really gets it. She gets the game. She gets the culture. She gets the feel. And especially growing up in 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 London or in England, and then having the experiences that she's had over there from a youth national team level as well as in, in the NWSL with courage. Mm. She's what it means to be a pro, and she's, um, she's certainly passing on that expertise every day. I see her talking to young players all the time and, and just giving them small bits of, of golden nuggets. And again, that's something that, from my perspective as the coach, I really encourage because the reality is is that that expertise and experience is, uh, is better passed on sometimes from players than it is from a coach. It means more. Oh yeah, look, I think when you've got uh, the good teams, the, the good teams have 11 captains out there and, you know, that's really where you, you need to be. Um, Alex, we could keep talking all morning about the the way the team's gone. Um, great start to a season. I think, you know, long overdue that you, you've had some reward for the work you've put in. Really appreciate what you're doing out there and the effort that the girls are putting in and looking forward to watching you for the rest of the year. No, look, it's um, it's been a great start, but that's all it is. We've just got to keep focused and we want to turn that start into, into something really strong and meaningful over the course of the season and really appreciate all the support that you guys are putting through as well. No worries. Thank you very much for your time, Alex. Good luck for the season. Cheers. Thank you. Alex Epicus there, and to use the old tired phrase, one game at a time, but, you know, look, doing a great job out there. Two wins, two games. Yeah, can't ask can't for any more, can you? No, you can't ask for any more. And the girls are doing a great job. Great vibe around the team. Um, and I don't know if you've spent any time in the presence of Tash Rigby, but, you know, if you're ever depressed, just go and visit her for five minutes. <laughs> You'll be over it. You know, she's um terrific character to have in, in any team. Yeah, one thing I noticed as well was when the Matildas were on the stage yesterday, yeah. and a lot of those glory girls were in the crowd with us just watching and, oh, yeah. and seeing. You know, yeah. and, and hopefully some were thinking... I could be there in four, eight years' time. Yeah, well, some of them will be there yeah, because will, um, yeah. at least two of them will be playing for the Philippines again. Yeah, well, true. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and Grace uh, Jale, she also with New Zealand. You know, there's, they're, they're, we've got some really good quality players out there. And yeah. I think the, the thing for Glory was they weren't far off it in the last year or two. Um, two things were missing. Luck was one of them and belief was the other. And I think belief will, will make the luck so I think, you know, they're definitely a prospect of playing finals this year. Yeah, fingers crossed, though. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, we're going to go to a break, and we'll be back after these with Steve McGarry. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432-745-140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. Everyone seems to think I'm the ultimate wingman and full of helpful information. 
It's true, I am. My passion is trivia and Australian football statistics. Check out aleaguestats.com, my website where you can follow all the stats and results from the men's and women's A-leagues from the beginning of time, or at least 2005 and 2008 respectively. You're listening into the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle, and we appreciate you tuning in. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Okay, like we said, interesting that how busy Alex was during the. Um, the close season in signing players. It's just one of those things that <clears throat> until you're involved in football management or running a football club, that the busy time is actually the time between seasons mm-hmm. and not the time during the season. During the season's just, you know, Tuesday, Thursday night training, whatever you're doing. But the off season is where all the hard work's done. And one club that's doing that is Sorrento. And joining us now is Steve McGarry, who is the head coach at Sorrento. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning, fellas. How are we? Yeah, good. Um, it'd be fair to say that last season didn't go the way you wanted it. No, definitely, definitely, it definitely wasn't. Um, it was, uh, yeah, last year, I'm, I'm sure you all agree, it was a, a crazy, crazy season and um, it was, you know, very, very tight across across the board and uh, a few a few teams from start to finish were we're sort of kind of involved in a chase to get to the top four, but also, um, you know, a relegation battle. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it was, it was um, exciting for the, you know, the, the punters going along and watching the games and exciting for those. But um, I heart attack stuff for for us coaches on the side. Oh, look, it was absolutely mental. I think with two or three games to go, there was five, six teams that could all be relegated. Some of them were Perth and Floriot, Coburn. You know, you're just looking at some of the names going, surely not, that couldn't happen. Sorrento, definitely, you go, how could it, you know? And when you look at the teams on paper, all very good teams. And, you know, we, we talked about the, the glory not having any luck or belief, and, and that's what happened. You just ended up, unfortunately, where you were, um, which... It's nice to see that the the club have retained the coach because quite often it's the easy fix is just to get the coach. There's no doubt you're a good coach, um, and that the club itself was was very very unfortunate to be relegated. Yeah, I think well, if you look at the last game of the season, if we beat Armadale, we we finished fifth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we finished fifth, and, and we we needed four results to go against us, and they all did. Um, but that's we 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 um, we take it on the chin. We take it on the chin, and uh, and and it's something we have to accept and deal with, which we have. Um, but it'll be one step back to go three steps forward. Hopefully, we've as you've mentioned done a lot of planning, preparing in the off season. But that mm. probably started. That actually probably started. You know, not long after behind the scenes when I when I obviously came into the club, yeah. I was also but. Um, you know, tied. My hands were tied with recruitment because I couldn't bring anyone in. The transfer window was closed. But yeah, yeah I think I, I always had belief that you know I could go in and improve the team. And and I think we're just like many teams, very inconsistent. And because teams were, you know, you know, beating each other every week, you know, it was hard to 
it's hard to predict. And and we were we were you know inconsistent like like a lot of teams. So we had to improve and try and bring some players in. Uh, we tried that at the halfway point, and it was difficult because no teams were allowing players to go because of the pro contracts. And yeah. and, and it was difficult, but that's that's not stopped us. So I, I knew, you know, you know, recruiting good players and, and getting the the right balance of a good squad and evolving the team and improving the team is it was sort of kind of imperative for us to you know bounce back this year. So. Mm. You know, we've made a, we've made a few signings, so we're um, we're on the right track. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been involved in the state league and particularly Division One for for a long time, and um, the quality of that Division One has has improved out of sight. Yeah. And it's not an easy league to a remain in, and and even harder league to um, climb out of. And I think you you haven't underestimated that in your recruitment processes. Definitely not. No, no. That I've I've watched the games across the years, and and I think the league, as you've mentioned, the, the league has get better, and that's probably due to you know the there's no limitation on visa players and point restriction and stuff that MPL clubs have at times. So, yeah. um, which benefits those state league teams. So you probably find you know some of those guys dropping down some leagues that are actually of good quality. So, um, but we don't underestimate yeah. the job ahead. We know. Um, you know, playing against Sorrento this year is going to be like a cup final, but for most teams and other teams are ambitious as well. Mm. You know, we, we are focusing, you know, purely on us. But I can see there's been a lot of stuff and a lot of business done at other clubs as well. Where you know, I'm sure there'll, there'll be uh, you know three or four teams making a push to I, get promoted. I seem to year. remember that uh, a former Perth Glory player um, was. A League one season, and the next season signed for a, a, a up and coming club in Guelph, Croatia, uh, in Division <laughs> Two. So you know, um, not unheard of, but you know, I think the acquisition of of Neil Kilkenny um, for Sorrento, uh, massive statement. A lot of teams say, "Oh, look, we're going to bounce straight back and then do nothing or recruit one or two Div One better players." But you've gone out there and just signed one of the best players there's, there's been in the country. Yeah, well, I think getting Neil um, to the club is uh, massive. Um, it does show it does show our intent, but um, it's, again, it's not a surprise from us. Neil come down, um, obviously knowing Neil and coach Neil at the Glory, he come down and took an interest in the team, and he, he trained with the squad. You know, the last couple of months of the year, um, you know, he, he was interested in playing and coaching. So he sort of kind of come down and seen. You know what we're trying to do, how we're trying to play the game, um, and he wanted to be part of it. You know he fit, he done well with what we're trying to do, and he's an ambitious, you know, young coach as well. So he he will help from the coaching point of view, but he's got a lot to give on the playing side as well. You know, I, I think if anyone watched the state league um, select against the Perth Glory team, you know, a few yeah. weeks back, you can see he's still got the quality and class. So it's a massive pickup. Um, along with some other good signings, but they're only signings, and uh, on paper it looks well. But we have to build a, a squad that's going to be highly competitive. Um, and I suppose then the other uh, part of your coaching team is the, the third wheel and your reserve team coach, and another former Glory player in Sean Kilkelly. Um, another great appointment. Yeah, yeah. We've also got Steve Neville, who's still, you know, at the club as yeah. well. So Steve's still there, along with the first team coaching. And Sean's been a great pickup. Um, obviously, we played against Sean in the in the playoffs, and they had a had an absolute stormer. Um, so he's a 
a sentimental through and through. He's he's got drive. He's got passion. Um, he's well respected about the the club. So that's another yeah. you know really massive appointment for us. And and he he'll come in and he's another you know a young coach, but he wants to learn. And you know if he can come and along the journey with yeah. us, um, it'll be great. And I would delighted to to get Sean in. Yeah, I I remember coaching against teams that he played in when he played at Sorrento as a, a 12, 12 year old upwards. So yeah, um, a long long history with the club, and it, despite where he's been, it's great to see he's gone back to his his grassroots club and he's contributing at that level. Yeah, definitely, and he's got he'll have an important role. He'll mm. be sort of kind of the link between the the Rezies and and the first team, and we've got some really good quality young footballs. At the club, um, we promoted a lot of those under 18s last year who yeah. have got some, some really good players. So Sean will, Sean will be the link, uh, you know, improving those guys and and and, and you know, get, giving them an opportunity in the first team. Yeah. Um, you know, last year we we had four or five promoted from the 18s and 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 the 20s. So we want to continue that that sort of kind of um, you know uh, in that space and have that environment where any of the you know, young kids who are they're doing fantastically well. We want to still provide them with a pathway, you know, because there's some really good work done behind the scenes at the at the, at the junior end. So uh, if we've got some good young footballers, we want to give them an opportunity as well. Yeah, and Stephen, just, just something that's just come up on my phone. You've just signed uh, Olympic Kingsway Dave Keenan, the goalkeeper, as well. It's just, right. just been, well, you know, he's been the best keeper probably for about the last three years, I think. Certainly when I was watching him in State League, he was by far the best keeper. So again, Another statement of intent there, right at the very back of the uh, de- like defensive unit, as well as breaking uh, news. Breaking news. So yeah, <laughs> him and, yeah, and I, was, I was I was I was going to let you guys know. So I, I wasn't too sure if uh, the club, the club yeah. announced it, but I was going to let you guys. Oh, know. I thought so I'd let know. you know just in case you didn't know. No, <laughs> Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy's a news hound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's been one we've been working on over the last you know week and. Uh, I know I know Dave from before. Um, he was up at ECU uh, when I was a, a coach up there, and uh, and played against him, a, a, you know, a few times when, when I was in state league. So I, I think um, when I spoke to Dave, I think he's you know he's like a bit of a lot of fine wine. He's improving by age. Mm. Um, he's had a fantastic record over the last couple of years. He's proved himself in the state league and MPL. Yeah. Um, he saved two penalties in the one game against us last year, and had a had an absolute stormer. So. Um, yeah, very good signing uh, to get Dave across the line, and and he'll give us some presence. And you know, he's a, a commanding figure who organises, and um, uh, really good get for us. Well, you say that, but you, you've also signed T Boy Kamara, which you know he's had a, a very good career as well, former A League player. So, you know, you you have been really busy. Yeah, and Hamza Hina as well from well, Fremantle. So. Hamza, Hamza from Fremantle, I think Fremantle would be very disappointed to lose I him. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned two attacking players, two guys who um, on their day are, are fantastic. But again, they've got to, they've got to back it up. They're a little bit different stories. You know, T Boy was you know in and out the Bayswater team last year, yeah. and so hopefully we can give him an environment where he can he can flourish again. And 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 Hamza was just um, obviously announced the state player of the year. So um, two exciting uh, footballers, guys who like to dribble, take players on, score goals, create goals and, and that's something we're, we're going to look to, to add to what we, we, we sort of kind of had the foundations last year. So uh, another two great signings. We've also got um, James McGowan from Stirling as well. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, centre-back, aggressive defender, played the first half year at Stirling last year and um, another guy who you know loves to defend and you know is an, a good organiser uh, as well. So um, bring some bring some good players in and and we'll probably look to add a couple more as well. And you've got some good players coming up and through. You mentioned earlier your 18s and 20s, but um, I suppose the one ray of sunshine in last season was um, Keegan Chambers, who won the Golden Boot for the under 20s. Yep, yeah, Keegan. Keegan sort of kind of uh, had a, had a good year. He's, he, Keegan has actually only played as a striker, you know, the last year and a half or so. Keegan mm. used to be a centre back, and um, worked for Harmwell. Know, <laughs> a young, a young in the making. So yeah. he's, um, he's, he's, he's Keegan's a good, great attitude, uh, enthusiastic. Wants to learn. Still a bit raw, but he's you know fantastic attitude. He's he's got a man's body. Um, so he, he he's he's somebody who's you know want to come back and prove himself and get himself more minutes in the first team. We had young Clay Gibbs who started the year off in the under 18s this year, and he ended up playing about. You know, 15, 16 games had a, a really fantastic breakout season. Um, Zach Dabbs as well, uh, and young and young Shane Nat- Natalotto. So we've got three or four really good young players breaking in, um, and it's up to those guys to, you know, to go and fight for positions. So we've got a good balance of sort mm. of kind of young, young and, and senior players. So Steve, with all the players coming in, have you have, have players left that we we're not aware of? Or have you kept, yeah, have yeah, you kept so the nucleus like, of the squad? We, 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 yeah, we felt we had to evolve the squad. Yeah, um, you know, so we, you know, we've retained, we've retained, you know, ten players. Um, you know, with Ryan McLaughlin, Big Matt Barnett, Dean Cummings, Tim Hill. You know, Jackson Tomatoes and a few of the younger lads as well. So we've just we're evolving, evolving the squad, and um, yeah, some of those guys will will, will move on and, and kick on elsewhere and. It's just it's just a different look, um, a different a different way that I want to sort of kind of shape the team this year. So that's football, that's life. You mm-hmm. know, some of those guys yeah. will, will go on, go on with other teams and excel and, and do well. Um, some might not buy. That's we sort of kind of focused on recruitment players the, the, the way you know we want to play in the football we want to play in, and uh, either focusing on is going to be on those guys we're brought in. So, mm. so if we go on to next season, and let's go into a hypothetical world where we can all have a, a small 50-cent bet, you're obviously going to... Well, I imagine that the bookmakers would make you red-hot favourites to win State League Division 1 next year now with, with these signings and the intent that the club seems to be made on paper. Does that put the added pressure on you guys to actually perform and live up to those expectations? Because I reckon when it comes to January, February time, and we're all asked to do our... Season tips for the year, you know, I pretty much I reckon everyone will have you guys as certainly top, top two, no less than that. Does does that put any more pressure on you guys, or you know, how do you see it? Um, I don't, I don't know. I think that we will sort of kind of try and focus on what we are doing, um, and 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 if there's any type of pressure, just to embrace the pressure. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think we're, we're building a team. We're focused on what we do, but we know. Like there's two there's two two teams on a football field to be eleven v eleven. Like I said, we'll go to pitches that are you know a little bit different from MPL, a little bit smaller, a little bit tighter. So there'll be there'll be different challenges, and, and we'll prepare the players best we can for that for those challenges. And and there's some like you said, there's some good footballs and some good players and men in that league that you know that that just want to go out and win games of football. So you know there'll be there'll be three or four teams who'll be in the mix. There'll be. Mm. I don't think we're under any illusions it's going to be 
very, very tough. But we'll we'll focus on what we do and and um, aye, we'll, we'll try and stay under the radar as much as we can. <laughs> it's obviously it's obviously not happened because we've had a couple of calls to you know let yourself come on uh, the radio and have a chat about some of the signings. But teams have teams have made signings already. they have just been a bit yeah. low, low key about it. So yeah. no, we'll we're under no illusions that you know it's going to be a very very tough year next year. And and how much do you know about the state league division one? and the teams that are in it, apart from the, the, the top two or three, really, that are always up there? I mean, is it going to be a big, massive learning curve for yourself, or have you already got your scouts out and you've been looking at the YouTube videos and things I'd like that? I'd say no, Grelapa. <laughs> I know who Grelapa is, so I'm a, well, I'm, well, I'm, I'm a bit of a football pervert, and I, I, like watch, I like to watch games of football, so I've watched, in terms of a recruitment process, I've, I've watched you know, a, couple of, a few games of the State League teams last year, but I've been watching endless amounts of games of football on streamer and and, and doing my due diligence and I know a lot of the players around and yeah. uh, but there's there's some un- unknowns but again another reason why you know bringing Sean Kilkelly in um, he, he played in the league he knows the teams mm. he knows the clubs around so as much as we you know we, we wanted to get Sean back on board but he's a, he's another sort of kind of guy who can give us some some information on teams players and the expectations when you go you know down near Subiaco or a, a Gosnells or whoever it might be, a Murdoch, and, and gives a wee bit more insight. So, um, but there's, um, aye, I think there's there's always teams are evolving, managers are evolving. So there'll be different different ways teams are going to play. So, um, like I think the like I keep repeating, I think the the biggest thing that we need to do is concentrate on what we do, and mm. and then yeah, you know, adapt to those challenges ahead. I think there's there's no doubt that when people see they're playing Sorrento, it's going to be uh, lift up. This is our cup final, and that's going to that's only going to make you stronger because um, you know you, that that pressure cooker is going to be every week. But um, as much as you've got to go to Gosnells or to UWA, you you also bring them back to Windy Hill, which is again a very different environment to play in. So. Um, you know, the, it's a it's a very very strong league, very even league. Um, I think one of the things that has made it that way is the introduction of professional contracts and the professionalisation of all of those teams. Um, you look at um, someone like Mandra, who have signed in uh, former SPL players. You know, um, that that again has made it stronger. And there's there's lots of clubs that have done that or similar. So the the strength of that division one is is such that the clubs are now staying up. And you look at Sterling, um, came down, won the league, and now, you know, they're up there in the top end of the NPL. So coming down is sometimes a great leveller and a great way of resetting your, your culture and the, the the way you organise your club and your team. Definitely. And I think I think the the levels are, are, are rising every year in terms of the professionalism. You mentioned professional contracts. Yeah. Some 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 clubs are you know adding on extra nights training and some guys have got you know we've we've got what we had last year S and C coaches and and yeah. video analyst guys and things like that so everybody's looking for that extra you know two two three percent five percent of improving a lot of the clubs are doing a lot of good things you know behind the scenes and um, you know across the grounds there's some been you know important infrastructure. Um, even though we'd like to see more money getting spent on the infrastructure as well, so but I think um, I think I you can see the levels are increasing every year, which can, which can only be good for for football and WA. So as a as a former professional player, um, what do you feel about the professional contracts and what that offers a player 
and a club because there's been lots of people um, resistant to this over the years. But I think for the player, it, it's, it's a real statement of intent from the club to keep you around. And for the, the club, it's, it stops that player leaving for the extra five bucks a week halfway through your season. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot less movement now in terms of um, players just, you know, you know, probably what tend to happen before players don't play for three or four games, getting unhappy, and mm. you know they take the, they take the, the humph and they they want to transfer to another team, and other managers are on to them saying, "Listen, you can jump across to us." Um, it's not going to happen like that. So it, it's probably more in the favour of the clubs, you know, protect the clubs. Yep. Um, and like I said, we tried to sign. We, we sort of kind of agreed with, with, with four or five players across the, the leagues, and um, you know when we spoke to the club, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't let them go. Which they are, they are in their right to do so. Mm. Um, so it does, it definitely does protect the the, the clubs. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that space sort of kind of evolves in the next, you know, year or two in, in terms of giving the the players because the players of majority you know, had the power. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important. That it's good, you know. You don't. I think it's important to get some some stabilisation, and you know, you get guys you know staying at clubs for you know one, two, three, four years instead of you know guys jumping ship after. After three months of the season, so. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think it, in my personal opinion at the moment, I think it's it, you know it adds some stability to, to the clubs in the league. And you'd be well used to this in <clears throat> in Europe and Scotland, but um, also then the transfer market. We we complain that our players leave to go over east and play for the the clubs over east. If they're contracted, then you have the option then to sell that player on a transfer fee. It may not be an awful lot of money. But I'd rather we had, you know, two or five grand in our pocket than nothing. And I think, you know, it, you've got that ability now if you've got a good player who, you know, Bentley Green's come in and say, look, we, we're interested in him, that you can start to put numbers on it, which then would fund your club's junior development or your NPL side's development, um, which is how it works everywhere else in the world. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I, I think we've seen... A lot of the top top talent in WA um, move across over east um, just due to the fact that the the money and the and the sort of kind of levels of professionalism over there. They you know some of those teams are training three times a three four times a week. Some mm. of those clubs are have got social clubs and they're, they're generating a lot of money so they can afford to pay um, player salaries and help them with with different coaching jobs and things like that. So to get for these players just to get up and leave and have no sort of kind of uh, remuneration for, 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 for the club. It's, I think that's definitely, it could potentially you know, protect the clubs and, and get some money back. And like you said, if it's going back into the, the first team kitty for, to, to you know, get another you know one or two players to improve the squad or if it's going back into the, the, the junior development side of the game for equipment or coaches or you know, coach development, it, it, can only be, it can only be a good thing. Absolutely, it's how the it's how the game gets funded across the rest of the world, and we, you know, <laughs> the the system here is lacking. I know, like in the A League, we we see so many contracts get terminated, and then the player leaves Perth, goes to Brisbane. Um, in the case of someone like Henry Hoare for nothing, and then last night he bangs in too. You know, um, I'd like to see the club get remunerated for that development. Yeah, well, I, I coached Henry. He was uh, when he when he was in in and around the sort of kind of the first team at that point and he was playing in the NPL um, squad at Perth Glory and, and Henry, like you said, it's a, I guess a, a, an example of, you know, how that works and 
Um, but again, it's the same thing. Back in, but if that was in back in the UK, if his contract's up and there's no, you know, there's no, he's not a contracted player, he would, mm. he would leave for, for free anyway. So yeah. there, there is some things that are, you know, very similar. And I, I think just in terms of the whole transfer ecosystem and and clubs getting rewarded and and, and money going back into the the clubs instead of the players' pocket at times, it's um, I, it's definitely beneficial. And like you said, that money goes back into the club where you're improving the squad, you're improving the the club behind the scenes, and depending on that. And so I, I think it can only can only be beneficial. Absolutely. Now, look, Steve. I think uh, what you're doing out there at Sorrento is wonderful. I think um, any any news, good news about the game is is great. But you know, you've you've gone through and and obviously um, cherry pick some quality that's going to mm. add to the the team that you already had. And um, I can only see good things for you next season. Yep, yep. Thank you very much. And like you say, we'll be looking forward to it. And it won't be long. Um, I'll be touching base with the players in the next day or so and letting them know that we'll be back in training training shortly in the next you know few weeks because I think night series is going to be a couple of weeks earlier this year. So, yep, I'm looking forward to get back on the grass and and uh, coaching and, and, and welcoming the new, the new squad and enjoying seeing some of those guys from, from, from last year as well. So, yep, should be a good season ahead. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, when does when does uh, your pre-season start where you're running up hills and things like that? Well, no, that was years ago, wasn't it? When we <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big runs. Yeah. Oh, I, I think those, those days are long gone. Yeah, I, I thankfully. Just, oh, I've, still, I've still got nightmares of doing, yeah. <laughs> doing pre-seasons. We used to do pre-seasons at St Mirren, so that's probably going back to... My first pre-season was 1995, and we had... Basically, two weeks running without a ball. <laughs> mm. I, I was I was actually going to bring up something at St Mirren um, because me and Sean yesterday were at the uh, the Sam Kerr Football Centre yep. at the opening. Yep. Um, Fantastic! Yep. Now you've also got something named after you up in uh, Paisley, there, haven't you? Are you aware? Yeah, of this? Right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so McGarry right. Terrace, one of four that's St Mirren players, they did a new development. Yeah, and the St Mirren supporters were all asked to pick their fourth players to have a, a road named after them. Wow. And we've got McGarry Terrace up in uh, Paisley there. So, Yeah, not very nice. Is it, it, is it uh, like full of luxury penthouse apartments? And <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've not, do you know what, I've not, I've not been back to Scotland for four or five years. Um, so I've not actually seen it. The family, <laughs> my two sisters, went, went and sort of kind of, when they'd done the big announcement and, and reveal it, it's basically the old the old stadium. Yeah. There's a new, a new house in development <laughs> and they, within that they had, the 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 fans had a chance to obviously name name the street. So oh, it was it was fantastic and it's something I'm looking forward to come back and showing. It's nice to be remembered back. in an unusual way rather than have a stand <laughs> or a bar named after you. Uh, when you say come come back and show the family, you're talking about going over there with an angle grinder and getting it back through customs. <laughs> 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 nice little sign good across the bar wouldn't it McGarry Terrace be lovely in, you, in your backyard there on the bar well my mum's actually got um, when we got we got um, announced they gave us a, they, they give you the replica yeah and my mum's got my mum's got a bar inside the garage back <laughs> back home in Scotland in Houston so she's got the McGarry Terrace sign above the above the above the bar oh, oh uh, marvellous so, so it's nice it's nice, yeah. nice to be ever it's something to remember by and and that the fans still feel that way about you is fantastic, Steve. Great to have you on. Um, brilliant story about you know the the first division. I, I'm a passionate fan of of the state league, and uh, bringing someone like Neil into that just adds more um, interest in that league. And I think yeah, what you're doing up there, Sorrento, is wonderful. So thank you for being on this morning.
No, thank you, fellas. Have a wonderful weekend. Cheers, you too. So I'll see you next season. <laughs> thank you, mate. Bye-bye. Okay, Steve McGarry. Uh, yeah, Sorrento, unlucky to be relegated. They went right down the wire on the last day and everything went against them. Um, and then, I suppose, after that, there was all the rumours that the CEO was going to save them and that they were... Oh, the lawyers were going to get involved. Yeah, they? yeah, but yes. Fremantle did the right thing and then eventually it just all went the way it did. It's uh, going to be a very... I don't know whether it's going to be as competitive state one next year. It was very competitive last year. It was it was a cracking, uh, cracking league last year. I think Division One and Division Two will both be as competitive. There is teams gone up from Division Two to Division One who will be um, yeah yeah very very competitive. Um, the the thing that's always been a problem for me is that the only thing guaranteed in Division One was relegation because there was a a glass ceiling to going up to MPL. Yeah. That, that's been removed. Um, that two up, Quite two down, correctly. or the one, one and a half, one and a half yeah. up and yeah. one and a half down. Yeah, correctly. Uh, one and a half up and one and a half down is really good. It's got some interest at the top end now. The bottom end is still very, very competitive. Mm. Some very good sides um, battling to stay in. And I think, was it UWA or yeah, Sorrento, uh, Subiaco, wasn't it? Yeah, Forestfield got relegated. And, yeah. Um, yeah, there, there was the playoffs, wasn't there? So. Yeah, and they, they, the, the Division One side stayed up oh. in the playoffs because they beat Curtin. But the the thing is that there's there's no hiding place in, no. in there. And it is a nuclear arms race. And I think, you know, Sorrento definitely win it with those recruitments. And just interesting to see what uh, Fremantle and Mandra do. Because they'd be the the next two teams that well, Frio went up. Oh, Frio went Frio up. Yeah, sorry, Knights. So Ma- it was Mandra and Knights, a lot yeah. with the two the two that fouled in the playoffs. And yeah, but it's early days, and I know as as Steve said, the clubs have been recruiting, but not been as public with their announcements. No, and I some of them have been cherry picked. I, I do yeah. know of of at least one division one club that's had a couple of players go at least one of them over east. So yeah, that's um, not been announced yet. So yeah, I know I'm not going to say who it is, but you know, look, the thing is that. Um, People are looking at Division 1 and even sides over in the eastern states are now looking at Division 1 going, you know what, there is some good players there. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to cherry pick those as well. So the, the, I do like the professional leagues. I've got no issues about putting players on professional no, papers. No, not at all. And if it helps with the development. It secures, it secures the, the players' future. It secures the club's future. Yeah. And the one thing that I've noticed in my 20-year involvement in State League is that they're starting now to to treat the players as assets rather than liabilities and looking after the players and it's not just about the um the uh the interests of their own yeah, really isn't it exactly yeah. yeah but i i suppose look the next development in in state league and amateur league is that there needs to be a cutoff point and if we say right npl state league are the only places you can play pay players and then Make the amateur leagues a non-payment league because people oh, hide the whole rule of the word amateur. Absolutely, <laughs> but currently there are people muddying the lines mm. around payment. So we've got amateur players who who don't pay any fees, who then get boots, get other bits and pieces. Yeah. So by the time, and then on top of that, get paid one hundred and ten or whatever yeah. it is a week, if not more. Um, so there's. Yeah. I think really the amateur league should just be amateur. Yep. And then the professional leagues are professional. Saturday's and professional, very... Sunday's amateurs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
It's a simple answer, isn't it? It is a very simple answer. Um, and I know people will jump up and down and go, oh, it's not yeah. fair. But, well, you know, I work on Saturday, so I'm playing Sundays in amateurs, but I did, yeah, well. I'm yeah. 60, so I'm just yeah. walking. <laughs> <laughs> but, look, the thing is, it's, it's one of those things that we just need to, to have some absolute clarity because there's, if the rumours I hear are right, there's stupid money being paid in the in the Premier Amateurs, which shouldn't be paid at all. And the good thing about the the, the contracted pro leagues now is that if you want to pay someone silly money in Division Two, you can. Yeah, just be open about it. Yeah, and don't go. Oh well, we can't afford we can't afford to pay players. But you know, I'm paying I'm paying my centre back eight hundred a week because he's worth it. But I'm paying. I've got him registered as an amateur because that, mm-hmm. that, as one club found out last year, will yeah, bring you down. Sort of like bit someone in the uh, backside, didn't it? Last absolutely, year. So, it did. Yes, and then we'll move on from that conversation as well. I think. No, I don't. I don't think we should. No, yeah, I think yeah. we should be out. I don't need to name the club, but it's a good warning to everybody else. Oh, if you mess with the system, if you try and cheat the system, yeah, okay, yeah, you you will get your karma is mm. is a a mean thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I agree. Yeah, I understand where you're coming yeah. from. But. Oh, and breaking news. Um, oh, here we go. Drum roll. No, no, drum roll. But there, there has been an appointment into the Amateur Premier League. Oh, um, yes. Coaching team for Morley is now John O'Reilly oh, and yeah. Dan Evans. So two very oh, really? good credited coaches there. Um, they've got a, well, they've got a blank canvas, really, haven't they? <laughs> That's all they got. <laughs> <laughs> but good luck, fellas. No, no, look, if anyone can do it, I'd, I'd put my faith in those two men. Mm. Um John Armadale last year and one of the better coaches in the NPL for my money. Um, and Dan, Evan, Dan Evans, who is just a, a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a great coach, especially with young people. Mm. So they'll be favourites for the Prems next year for the Amateurs with that coaching team, do you reckon? Mm, it all depends on who they get. Yeah, well, yeah, but sometimes. I think, I think their biggest problem is going to be player acquisition. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, that's going to be the problem. And, and without dollar signs attached, it's going to be even more of a problem. So, Well, you don't pay players on Sunday. No, I know that. <laughs> That's why it's going to be a problem. <laughs> All righty, we're going to go to a break and we'll be back after this with Paul Thorogood. Um, Paul Long. With Walking Football. Hey, hey, it's Futsal WA, the leading futsal organisation in Western Australia. With continually growing men's, women's and junior competitions for any ability levels all year and all around Perth, Futsal WA also provides elite development pathways and competitions for juniors, youth and seniors. The fun, fast-paced social aspect of the game could be the perfect fit for you. To enter a team or to find out more, contact us on 0432-745-140 or simply at www.futsalwa.org.au. Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Yeah, so Sean's now back on these uh, technical details of uh, trying to work out. Sean, you really should have written it down how to use a telephone when you were uh, when you were trying last time. You're trying so. a monkey to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, interesting. It was just uh, just off air there. We was just talking about that amateur division. It was very competitive last year, and and there's some cracking cracking teams out there that do play some really good football on a Sunday. So. You know, if you are around and about on a Sunday, just check out the local... It's probably on the social medias where you get the fixtures for Sunday football and support the local team because they rely on your support to buy a beer while you're watching the game, buy a burger, buy a cup of tea even, and 
and, and honestly, getting out on a Sunday afternoon watching these amateur footballers and, and the standard is there that it is good enough. So, um, yeah, get down to the ground. As I say, Sean's just at the moment on the phone just trying to get hold of our next guest, which I think he's managed to do. Yeah, it's not a problem. He's, yeah, he's, I, was, I was very lucky, I'm very lucky there was a monkey coming by and I got him onto it. <laughs> you, you need a sec- personal secretary, don't you, there? And, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you're not working out. You don't even have the legs for it. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and you completely failed the elbow test. So yeah. that's it. You're gone. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've never denied it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, joining us on the air now is Paul Thorogood, who is involved with the AWFA, which is the Association of Walking Football Australia. There, I got it out first time. Well done. Yeah, yeah, no, well yeah. done. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Sean. How are you guys going? Yeah, excellent. Having a good morning. Um, he's very Millwall. I'm very West Ham. It shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> good day, Paul. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm going well, buddy. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Thanks. Good, good. All right. Um, now, the AWFA have been very, very involved in the emerging sport of walking football, um, and we've got a, a healthy number of clubs now playing in WA um, to the point where we've now had to go overseas to get game good games as well. So um, we're we're developing and, and spreading our wings, but also we've got a game or a carnival coming up now on November the eighteenth. Do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, certainly, Sean. You are breaking up a little bit, mate, but I, I think that, yeah. So talking about the um, the state festival. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Look. So. Um, but, but thanks, thanks for letting me on, Sean, for the first place. But, um, yeah, so we're really, really excited. So we're going to hold a sort of state festival at the new home of football, which is now called, obviously, the Sam Kerr uh, <laughs> Football Centre. Yep. Um, so, and I think we might even be the first sort of uh, tournament that's going to be held there. So, um, but look, yeah, we're really, really excited. As you know, Sean, the, 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 the sport's really grown over the last, uh, probably over the last 12 months. We've seen some enormous growth. Um, but we're holding the the WA State Festival at the at the football centre. Um, I think we've actually got fourteen teams now um, wow. registered to play, um, which is absolutely fantastic. So I think there's ten male teams and four women's teams registered right now. So and we might get one or two more yet. So um, but yeah, so you know probably well over a hundred people, which is really really good involved with the sport and. Um, yeah, really, really exciting. I think the, the other the great thing about it is we've been working really close with Football West. Um, and, you know, to, to, to actually get a, a tournament at the, at the um, you know, football centre is really good. So um, they've been really, really helpful. So we're catching up with them next week just to finalise, you know, all the, uh, you know, what we need to do. And, uh, and away we go. But, yeah, uh, really great. I mean, I wasn't expecting anywhere near 14 teams to be registered um and uh and, and as you know sean we, we're really sort of trying to get a lot of just just pushing you know female representation as well and great to have four female teams um supporting supporting the event so uh look and more people the better right so really really would encourage any of you listeners that just want to come down and just have a look right and uh See what it's all about. Yeah, I think when when you look at it, people. I know uh, my first reaction was walking football. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then you're a bit of a laugh and you, you, you think you're going to look stupid walking and you think it's a, it's a bit daft. But once you, you get into it, you, everyone looks silly with their, their Ministry of Funny Walks going on. But I suppose the bottom line is we've got um, particularly men over 50 and women over 40 who tend to be more sedentary, who are now out engaged in an exercise that they love. And they're still playing a sport with, with people that we've, we've played with or against over the years. Um, and the, the walking side is, is really a great equaliser. Um, I know there are some people who are passionate that it can only be played by over 50s and that some people want to keep the males and females separated. But you know, our local club has been building hours and we've got um, dads who bring along their boys. We've got mums who bring along their boys and girls. And we've got everyone from all ages playing walking football. And it's been that for us works. But... Um, it is, a, it is a really good format of the game. And I think, you know, it's not just about your physical health. It's about your mental health, your well-being, and just some of the things. There's some absolute quality banter down there at Fox 5s on a Saturday morning. And it's the stuff we miss. Yep. Sorry, John, you are breaking up a bit there, my friend. But well, um, You're not breaking up mine. I think the problem's your end. Anyway, look <laughs> well, I think, Sean, what would be a good yeah. idea is, 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 you know, or Paul's just having a few, is like, just mention the club so people who are listening know where to yeah. go for their walking football. So, Well, yeah, look, there, there are a number of clubs, and I'll start off, we'll go from the south of yeah, so, Peel. So yeah, so I'm part of the Peel walking football, which play Tuesday evenings and on a Friday, Friday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, both, both venues are indoors. Um, both venues, I think, that kept it, I think we've got about 40 or 50 registered members now down there and yeah. uh, we, we, we bring up two, three teams to most tournaments now, you know, from the Peel region mm. and held tournaments down down in the Mandra area as well. Which Absolutely. Is, so. so then we've got Ashfield that does theirs on a Monday night, um, 6.30 for anyone who wants to drop down to Ashfield and have a look. Um, you've got... Um, got the guys there, people with Wanneroo as well, so yeah. there's your northern suburbs uh, covered as well. Yeah, so. Curtin on a Tuesday, yeah. um, Wanneroo on a Thursday. Oh, sorry, Wednesday. Wednesday, for yeah, Wednesday, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know when June Lup play, but June Lup also mm. have a, a competition going. And I know that there's a number of other clubs around the place that are emerging competitions. But if you want to come down and have a look on, on the 18th of November, come down and have a look at the sport. Um, once you see it, you can make your mind up. But if there are clubs that are looking to um, get involved, please get involved with one of those local clubs. Come down and have a look. Um, I know for a, a fact that if they come to Ashfield or Wanneroo, we will help you and give you advice on setting up your own, your own deal. Mm. Um, but also, if you come to the State Football Centre, AWFA will support you within that. Yep. Yeah. And I think Sean, just just to add, if I can, sorry, picking yeah. that up, but um, you know what what we've seen, and Jim, I'm sure you you, you agree, is you know the growth over the last five months mm. is phenomenal. Um, yeah. You know, we we every hub, I mean, I, I'm sort of do get to most of them if I can, as, as you know, Sean. I mean, yeah. you know, we were playing at Ashfield last week. There was probably 30 plus players. Yeah. You know, Wanneroo, we're getting sort of 25 plus players. You know, week in, week in, week out. So. You know, it's really, really grown, and we've seen a lot of growth in the last 12 months. And it, it's so exciting because, you know, we've done a couple of international tournaments, you know, and, and the people you meet, 
you know, and the friendships you build, you know, it's fabulous. And, and that's half of it, you know. And I think for most of us, you know, it's not just about having a, a you know, a game of football. It's also about having a good yarn and, and really building some really great friendships. That's it. We've made some new friendships, haven't we? Definitely yeah. made new friendships during, I know I have in, in, in the time that I've been playing the game. And I know I haven't been around much due to a, a niggling knee. Yeah. But I think that's what you do when you get old, isn't it? That's, yeah, it is. That's, but that's, look, it was great because yeah. uh, Terry Goddard used to play at our club. Yeah. And then uh, I went to Peel and I found out he's down there yeah, and running it, that. You know, so yeah. it's great to bump into the tell. That's right. It's Terry and me that set up the Peel, Peel yeah. area. So, yeah. so you know, you, yeah. you've, you find these people and there's other guys that I've played with in State League and in veterans that I'm now bumping into. And you know, that that's a really good aspect. But there are new people and, you know, there's the, all the Pauls, uh, Paul Lothorpe. And Paul Thorogood, but you know Paul Vickers. There's a lot of Pauls, but <laughs> but having said that, the for me the the sport is starting to grow to a point now where we really need to look at um, unified rules because not just within the state, but also nationally and internationally, we still don't really have one defined set of rules. I think in Germany they play four aside without a goalkeeper. Um, but, you know, look, it's, it's getting to that point. And I think one of the biggest things we have is also the amount of running within the game that lots of people... When, look, <laughs> so we, Freudian, we all, Freudian slip with the word running. But, <laughs> no, but we all, we all do. It wasn't a Freudian slip. It, there are people who, and I do it myself, you, you break into a little bit of a trot. And I know Paul does, and I know you have as well. Yeah. So, um, but Jim, what I'm saying Jim, is, Jim's we, always at it, isn't he? Oh. What, what, what we what we need is also people who want may not want to play, but think you know what? I used to be a referee. I enjoyed refereeing. I'll come down and referee because, you know, we need to get some consistency around that. And then I, I know I was talking to Paul Lothorpe last night about some referee training because at the moment. It's very much like it was before I, I played organised football, played at school, we self-refereed. And it's, it's a bit like that in the walking football. Mm. But there's always someone who doesn't listen and doesn't play the, by the rules. So having some referees would be really nice. Yes, Hugh Best, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, but get some people who, who don't actually want to play, but they do want to get involved in, in something. And again, for the referees, yeah. very, very social. There's also an avenue for you to go overseas. And I think two years ago, a referee, walking football referee from WA, got the World Referee Prize or the award yeah. in Zurich. So Who was that then? Wasn't me. Wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, the, and and Sean, if I can add, I mean, we're we're trying to, um, you know, the committee, uh, you know, the AWAFI, we're 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 actually organising some referee training. Um, right. The foot, football um, Queensland have really got a, a really simple, great program. Takes about four hours to run through, but it, mm. you know, it's it's something we're trying to do probably before the state tournament. Yeah, um, and and encourage them people to sort of jump on, and, and I'll I'll get some details out to you, Sean, on what what that what that's all about. But um, yeah, I think that just helps because you know, as you said, they they are modified rules. Um, you know, and it's all about protecting you know people at the end mm. of the day. You know, so no heading, all that sort of stuff. But yeah. You know, it's really just getting people educated, and it's not difficult. It's just getting those basics right, um, so that everybody can then enjoy the game and, and you know yeah. play play 
you know, play in the spirit of the game, right? Oh, look, and I think some of the some of the modified rules work out really well. I played in the the Lewis Cup last week, which was a, a well organised tournament by by Tony Bellis at Royals, and um, I think one of the instructions came out was that if you disagree with the referee too too often, you could be given a spell out on the bench. So you know, I think there's there's some really good developments coming along, and you know. Yes, we, we do like to have a word back to the referee, but there, there has to be a threshold. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, now, the other thing is with the AWFA, we, we did go across to Malaysia and play in the very first Asian Pacific Cup. Um, plans are to hold that at the Sam Kerr Football Centre um, next year. So how are the plans progressing on that? Uh, where are we at? Sorry, Sean, you're breaking up a bit there, mate. So where are we at with the Asia-Pacific for this year? Yes. Next year? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so look, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we're, we're, we are going to hold that at the, the State Football Centre or Samka um, yeah. Centre. So um, I'm just, you know, we're just doing a bit of work with Football West on that. Um, so there's a sort of bit of a subcommittee we're, we're working on. You know, we actually want to try and get about six or seven nations involved with that. Um, yeah. As you know, Sean, we had sort of three. There were Singapore, ourselves, in terms of Australia and, and Malaysia yeah. at the last tournament, the inaugural one, which was, was a great event. Um, but we're hoping to, to try and get more countries involved. And, um, yeah, we're working towards probably we're looking at the end of August, yeah. um, just giving the, the, the football centres sort of, you know, um, scheduling. And things. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're, 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 again, hopefully on the 18th and of sort of be talking to Football West. They're already aware of it and, and they really do want to support. So um, we're just going to try and sort of slot it in, in you know, in a, in a, in a week in. Because it will take a couple of days, as you know, at least two or yeah. two and a half days, the tournament itself. But, you know, um, we're just trying to lock in with them, you know, some, some dates. But it looks like probably end of August. Well, um, and it's going to be a fabulous event. And I heard that uh, last night, Malaysia have already made, made plans to bring five, five, teams, yeah, five teams, two two ladies' teams, a 50s, 60s, and 70s men. So, again, you know, age-wise, uh, the 70-plus age group, I know when we went to Malaysia, um, two or three of the 60s players were at or near to 70. So, um, longevity of playing, you know, I stopped playing the running game at 50 and thought, that's it, I'm done, I'm never going to kick a ball again. And now, you know, at 60, I'm still playing, but I now hope I could still be playing at 70. And when yeah. you think about it in those terms, what a, what a wonderful thing, at, at, you know, at 40 or 50, you can look at, be looking at another 20 years playing football. Yeah. Uh, look, we've got, I'm still at sort of Florida this morning, yeah. as you know, and... Um, you know, old Derek's been been up playing today for for Wanneroo. So yep. you know, Derek's been being seventy two, seventy three. Um, you know, and probably runs faster than most of us, mate. Well, I, I was in I was in the coffee shop this morning with my AWFA shirt, and I'd got asked by someone what it was and obviously told him all about walking football and at 92 he's thinking of giving it a crack so <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't mind I think it's it's great I know it's good because I went to the um, Sam Kerr Football Centre yesterday wearing the same shirt and, and had a couple of questions and then when I went on the way home decided just in the spur of the moment to go to a hostillery for, for a dinner with the wife and had a couple of people there ask me about it so you know there's plenty of converts. I've, I've converted a number of people over the last few months to, to come and give it a go, yeah, yeah. and they're still doing it. So um, 
it's it is once you get over that initial barrier where people look at it and laugh and go oh it looks silly once you're involved it's no no longer silly um it is as i say a great form of keeping yourself physically well i've lost a lot of weight doing it um that and some other things obviously but um for my physical health, it's great, but for my mental health and my social well-being, it is fantastic. My my friendship group has expanded massively just by playing walking football. There's people I would never have met if I hadn't played walking football. Yeah, t- totally agree, Sean. Um, you know, same here. I mean, I've been playing probably oh six years now. Um, yeah. Same, you know, I lost a lot of weight initially, but, you know, and, and that's great for my health and, 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 and really has been but you know I think the, the other bit for me is that as you say the friendships the, the mental health piece is, is probably as important of course and uh, you know the, the amount of friendships I've picked up and you know the, the camaraderie you know going away to Malaysia and you know everybody you know it's it's um, it's fantastic you know and but also, yeah. uh, again, we, we've had a couple of mixed comps where we've had men and women playing in the same teams, and that's been great. I mean, Penny played last week for Wanneroo in the Walking Cup and looked every inch you know, a good player, you know, and, and she is. But, you know, we played out in the park and in goal, um, and you, you had Kath playing as well from Peel. So some really good um, female players out there um, Mari who plays but also referees um, you know no one questions Mari when she pulls you up for running you were uh, you so listen right. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's just a good sport and I think most of us have played at a reasonable level um, in our youth so this isn't the be all and everything we don't have to win everything and you know I think trying to encourage people to think about coming and refereeing because um you know, it is one of those things that we need to have some, some good referees. And, you know, it's, it's not just about the ability to pick up the money, but they also would have social outlets and, and reconnect with some of those people they played against or or yeah. refereed over the years. Yeah. And look, I think you bring a good point there, Sean. I mean, the, you know, what, what I think really adds a different dimension to it all is the mixed games. And I know we played a lot of that yeah. in Malaysia, which is probably our first sort of really big tournament where we've had mixed teams and actually you'll find and I think you, you you would agree that people play by the rules a lot better when you've got a mixed team right? So. They definitely do, <laughs> yes absolutely they do and and some of the language is curbed as well so it's great Correct. <laughs> yeah. No no I think it's good and I say this is a, this is a wonderful sport that can be played by all and um, you know we've, we've had one of our growths at the local club is we've had a large number of women who lived locally who had nowhere to go play are now playing and they're now dragging in their friends and other people because it is just a, a good game to play, uh, a pace that everyone can enjoy and, and, and love. And we, you know, we've got our oldest player is 72. So, um, again, competes as best as he can and he's enjoying it and loving it. So I think what we could do is just just go back over this, this yep. state walking. So the state walking festival Saturday the eighteenth of November. Yes, at, at the Sam Kerr, yep. which is formerly known as the State Football Centre. Yeah. Um, and if someone is listening or anyone is listening, thinking, "Oh, I'd like to either come along or or I may have a team to bring along," um, I'm just reading the flyer that's that's yep. out there in a moment. And probably the best best way to contact someone would be uh, email 
Tony Bellis. That's Tony dot Bellis B E L L I S at A W F A I dot org dot A U. Just drop Tony a message. He's a nice guy, mm. and uh, he'll give you all the information you need to as to yeah. whether you want to come along and spectate. Have and a and look. the other thing is, if you're a club president who's thinking of starting up a, a walking football hub. Come down because not only can you see it in action, but there'll be a number of people there that you can talk to about what you need Certainly to get going. Certainly, people yeah. that live in that local area that can definitely well, give you a hand. people that live all over the state so that can uh, give you assistance in setting yeah. up something. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And uh, yeah, have and a we're crack. All, we're, yeah, we're all there to help. You know, if they want to set up, sure, as you say, you know, there's yeah. a number of us that can all go and help and, and you know and, and contact to. to to help them get going. All right, Paul, look, thank you very much for your time this morning and for what you do within walking football. Um, November the 18th, make a a note in your diary. probably 10 10 o'clock start from memory, is it? Something like that, yes. 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock start, so nice and early, all day. All right, (laughs) no worries. Thanks, Paul. Cheers, Paul. All right, no worries, gents. Nice to talk to you. Okay, Paul Thorogood and Walking Football, uh, great support for all. Jim, Give it as, a go. A, as always, those two hours went really they quickly. Did. Thank you very much for, for being here. Oh, thank, uh, thank you for inviting me today. Yeah, just a shame my monkey's not play, yeah, playing yeah, the game yeah. today. I'll, I'll write the noddy guide for next time for you. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thank you, and thank you for listening. The Jazz Show with Lenny is on now, and we'll be back next week. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.